here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Ten years since Occupy Wall Street and the radical, all-out crazy left wing of the Democrat Party took over that park in New York City, and now they're stronger than ever. In the 10 years that it's been, they've gone from occupying this little park in New York City, Zuccotti Park, to occupying Congress, occupying newsrooms, occupying classrooms, and occupying unions. The worst of which is that they now occupy the White House right here in the United States. What's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S. Uh, some of you guys know me as Mr. Call Screener, Richie V, your liberty-loving Latino amigo, El Conservador. And I am in for the great one tonight. Mark is off. I want to wish all of our Jewish brethren a happy Sukkot tomorrow evening. I also want to wish an early happy birthday to the great one. That's coming up, and he will be back this week. But the left is threatening the livelihood of free thinkers here in America and they're doing it to keep them in line. So, for example, when I give props to Nicki Minaj, the rapper, for standing up for herself, that's not me saying that she's the champion for the conservative cause. But I will celebrate liberty in action nonetheless. You know, a couple of years ago, right here on this program, might have been 2019, I mentioned that the left hasn't fired a single shot, literally. But figuratively, and quite literally, we're under an ideological attack, a very intense one. When activists that embrace Soviet principles, the principles that gave rise to communist countries and socialist governments, and they're succeeding in teaching those same principles to students in their classrooms, our children, to readers of their journalism, our neighbors, and to their constituents through various levels of government, the whole country, the choice is clear that we have to choose liberty, libertad, for the survival of this great nation. Look, I believe it's true. They're here. And it's taken them a hundred years to get into place. So what do we do? We replace them. To resist is a sacrifice that has to be greater than their sacrifice. But many of these same Americans that are on the left, they're willing to forego having children because they've brought into Karl Marx's utopian fallacy. And they're applying it to the environment. They're applying it to unions. They're applying it to the economy. So let me ask you, can you beat a political and ideological adversary without sacrificing more than they do? Are we on their side? Of course not. Are we willing to risk the comfort and security of employment to publicly take them on? Because they're willing to put their jobs on the line. Now, truth be told, many of them have built-in union protection that allows them to continue doing exactly what they do. And I know it's easier said than done. Trust me, I know. But we have to replace them. We have to raise these replacements, recruit the replacements, Become the teacher. Become the professor. We have to raise or recruit or become the broadcaster or the journalist. 
we have to replace our school boards. You know, uh, it was probably last week. Somebody told me they just found out that their kid's teacher is a conservative. Their kid's principal is a conservative. And their school district intendant is also a conservative. And guess what? They're all Levinites, constitutional conservatives. And they found that out because they were all talking. And Mark's number one book came out, American Marxism. It came up in the conversation. And that stuff happened right here in New York. Now, of course, these conservatives in in academia and these conservatives in public education, they live in the shadows as conservatives for fear of reprisal. That's just how it works around here. But we have to make a choice as Americans. Either we love America or we don't. We either love liberty or we don't. We either love the next generation of children that will occupy our nation or we don't. We either commit to leaving those that are going to come after us a better America or we don't. We're going to either be guided by love or be guided by fear. And fear sometimes manifests as anger because we get so worried about the future and what's going to happen with our families and we get very frustrated and we lose focus. Don't lose focus. Don't lose heart. The goal is and always was to win, to win the battle in the free marketplace of ideas. But Americans on the left have put their thumbs on the scale. I always remember uh, an adage that uh, I, I told my kids some many years ago when they were smaller. And I tell them, George Washington didn't panic. I'm sure he was scared at times, but he didn't panic. He wasn't frantic. He was decisive and he was a committed statesman. And I think that's what we all need to do. And I'm not saying you, this wonderful audience, the Levinites, I know that you guys are committed, but we have to spread this message so that the rest of America can become committed and not just committed to patriotism, but committed to replacing those that endanger America's future as we know it, right? Abraham Lincoln was committed that way. And he was very clear in his admonition, the Lyceum Address. Now, it's a pretty long address. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I printed out a little bit of it that I thought was so apt for today. And I'm going to start in the second paragraph and wrap up around uh, the end of the third paragraph. And Abraham Lincoln said, we find ourselves under the government of a system of political institutions, conducing more essentially to the ends of civil and religious liberty than any of which the history has ever seen before. When mounting the stage of existence, we found ourselves the legal inheritors of these fundamental blessings. We toiled not in the inquirement or establishment of them, because they're a legacy that's bequeathed to us by a once hardy, brave, and patriotic people. But now we lament over them being departed. Theirs was the task, and nobly they performed it, to possess themselves and through themselves us of this godly land, and to uprear upon its hills and its valleys a political edifice of liberty and equal rights. Tis ours only to transmit these, the former, unprofaned, by the foot of an invader, the latter undecayed by the lapse of time and untorn by usurpation, to the latest generation that fate shall permit the world to know.
this task of gratitude to our fathers, justice to ourselves, duty to posterity, and love for our species in general all imperatively require us faithfully to perform. How then shall we perform it? At what point shall we expect the approach of danger? By what means shall we fortify against it? Shall we expect some transatlantic military giant to step the ocean and crush us with one blow? Never. All the armies of Europe, Asia, and Africa combined with all the treasure of the earth, except our own, in their military chests, with Bonaparte for a commander, could not by force take a drink from the Ohio or make a track on the Blue Ridge in a trial of a thousand years. At what point then is the approach of danger to be expected? I answer, if it is ever to reach us, it must spring up amongst us. It cannot come from abroad. If destruction be our lot, we must ourselves be its author and finisher. As a nation of free men, we live through all time or die by suicide. And he wraps up with uh, the rest of the admonition, and you can read that for yourselves. But to sum this up, Abraham Lincoln gave us this warning. And he said, this country comes down because we'll take it down ourselves. Mark Levin wrote the book American Marxism because he clearly articulates that that's happened. We're here. doesn't mean the country is over. It means they've gotten a footing and we can't play games anymore. This is no longer a spectator sport. This is critically important. I think it's, it's important that we realize these things. Again, what Lincoln said, and he said it in 1838, is so apt today. You know, I'm going to read you this last piece just because there's so many things in here that I think you, you should know. He says, I'm, I hope that I'm overwary, but if I'm not, there is even now something of ill omen amongst us. I mean, the increasing disregard for law which pervades the country, the growing disposition to substitute the wild and furious passions in lieu of sober judgment of courts, and the worst and savage mobs for the executive ministers of justice. This disposition is awfully fearful in any community. And now that it exists in ours, though granting or grating to our feelings to admit, it would be a violation of truth and an insult to our intelligence to deny. Accounts of outrages committed by mobs from the everyday news of the times. They have pervaded the country from New England to Louisiana and they're neither peculiar to the external snows of the former, nor the burning suns of the latter. They are not the creature of climate, nor are they confined to the slaveholding or the non-slaveholding states. Alike, they spring up amongst us, the pleasure of hunting masters of southern slaves and the order-loving citizens of the land of steady habits. Whatever, then, their cause may be, it's common to the whole country." Again, that more specific on slavery, but right now, that's exactly where we're at in this country. And it's not a great place to be, but the good news is we were there once and we got out of it and we, we, I think we can get out of it again. And this is, again, Abraham Lincoln in 1838. So I leave you with that until we come back. I am Rich Valdez with an S. And I am, again, in for the great one. Our telephone number, let me give that to you before I forget, one 381 3811 
And uh, there's a lot of things happening. We're going to get into a bunch of stuff from Nancy Pelosi to General Milley to all out crazy AOC. I even need She's got some stuff going on. That's like the story that doesn't end. But don't move a muscle. I am Rich Valdez in for the great. Mark Levin. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all the social media. And uh, some of you guys know me. Again, I'm the host of This Is America. You can uh, hear that wherever you hear stuff. And uh, I'll get back into that a little bit later. But I want to jump back into the stuff I was talking about because my juxtaposition of everything that's going on in the world is, to me, eerily similar to so many things that have happened historically. And history does repeat itself. And not always the same way. I understand Uh, historical context for what it's worth. I realize that we've got to look at things. Now, some of you listening are thinking, well, you know, that was the precursor to the Civil War. It it was, but I don't necessarily think that's the precursor to a hot Civil War in America. I really don't. And maybe that's my own naivete. But I think that it's funny how we use French words in English, right? Naivete. Anyway, I think it's funny how we, we look at things. You know, nobody... They assassinated the character of President Trump. They didn't actually assassinate him. And thank God, right? Thank God for Donaldus Magnus El Trompito, the 45th president of these United States, El Presidente. And I'm glad he's still around and he's still doing rallies and he's still doing his thing. But my point is there's an electronic way of getting at people. It's a new kind of warfare, right? Cyber warfare. And I don't want to go into the cyber warfare rabbit hole. To me... All of this is just indicative of how Marxism is playing out. If you've read American Marxism by Mark Levin, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Chapter 6, Chapter 1, it, it really describes how these institutions in America have just been hijacked. Right? Everything. I mean, everything's been hijacked. Nothing is the way it looks. Everything is some sort of, uh, uh, to reference the Soviet Union, like Politburo. And, and, these, and these ministers of propaganda, and they're in law enforcement, federal law enforcement, and I support law enforcement. You know, I actually uh, was a volunteer cop in Jersey uh, for, for like two years, and my brothers served, both of them, 20 years, NYPD. I have nothing but respect for law enforcement, but it's sad to say, at the federal level, we've seen it time and again, there are some bad apples that are trying to spoil the bunch. And that's just not there. I mean, we see the same thing in the media. We see the same thing in 
in the schools. You've got teachers that come in with very altruistic, altruistic, excuse me, um, rationale of why they want to become a teacher. And then they get there and that is all kind of um, usurped by the unions and them saying, no, no, you've got to do this and you've got to teach this and we're going to do this. And parents, I don't want to put this on the parents, but the parents have a role have been taken a back seat, some of them because they don't know better and some of them because they're too busy because they're trying to make a way for their family. So when we look at all of that stuff, it's it's like, man, we're looking at the same thing that we saw in our own history a ton of years ago. And it's happening right before our very eyes, the violence in the streets of last summer. We've seen that play out. So obviously I'm preaching to the choir and you're saying, come on, Rich, we know this stuff. Where are you going with this? My point is that we're here, and I think our next steps are critically important. When you look at the success that American Marxism has had, and I don't mean to make this an infomercial, but I really think it's an excellent manual, along with Unfreedom of the Press and the rest of the eight books that Mark has written, to prepare people for activism, to prepare people to go out there and do what needs to be done. Because we have to fight this fight. And it's not a physical one. So while, you know, we're pumping iron and doing what we got to do, getting ready for the big fight, the big fight isn't really going down that way. It's happening, as you, could, as you can see, in big tech. The censorship is there. But we have victories, and there are victories we have to look at. Every time you see parents that are taken to the streets, taken to these school board meetings, that's a victory. We're seeing people that are saying, you know, I'm not afraid. I'm going to go in there. I'm going to speak my mind and I'm going to hold these people accountable. Every time you see a new leaked tape come out from somewhere, somebody slipping a tape to so-and-so and giving information to the other one, that's a huge win. When you see these thousands of people that were assembled in New York City yesterday protesting for something that they believed in against government mandates, that is where we're at. And we're getting closer and closer. And to me, liberty's making a comeback. America is on the rise. We're going to get to where we got to be, but we can't lose focus and we can't mistake our frustration. Anyway, keep it locked right there because we've got a lot in store for you tonight. This is the best three hours in talk radio, not because I'm on it, but because it's the Mark Levin Show. So don't move a muscle. Our phone number 877-381-3811. I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, and I'm in for the great one. most powerful conservative voice the mark levin show dial in now 877-381-3811 so 49 percent of the people polled think that joe biden is mentally stable enough to become president and we're going to jump into that stuff in a little bit i want to talk about joe biden and his mental health and i'll i'll jump right back into this but it's um It's a tricky situation, right? I'm going to give you a little bit of personal story. A little personal story. My dad, God rest his soul, had a brain injury. Uh, He'd cracked his skull and the bleeding in his brain had swelled his skull so much that he'd received some permanent brain damage that slowed down some of his motor function, uh, a lot of different things. His ability to speak as quickly as he once did, um, his ability to swallow for a while was impacted. So lots of things happen. And the, the same type of um, damage and procedure, uh, Joe Biden had two of these, uh, you know, open cranial surgeries. Now, for a guy that's had two open cranial surgeries, I'd say this guy sounds terrific because I have experience in working someone with a traumatic brain injury. 
But I will say, it doesn't take away everything. Right? My dad was, uh, I guess what I would call, he was, he was not a gangster. right? He, my dad was a, a guy that worked in a cardboard factory and then worked his way up to working as a doorman in a Manhattan building in Tudor City. But he always had his side hustle, and his side hustle was, you know, he was like uh, the muscle, if you will, for a, a little gambling operation that was in the back of a bodega in Brooklyn, New York. And this was very common back in the days. You know, you'd walk into the bodega and, you know, you knock on the back door and then they have, you know, joker poker machines. They're playing dominoes. They're playing cards. And, you know, they're betting on horses and stuff like that. Um, not necessarily legal, but very, very popular, right, in the, in the 60s and the 70s into the 80s. And, and I bring him up because my dad never lost that edge. You know, 80 years old, my dad might forget who I was at times. But he wouldn't forget how to square up and take a swing and sometimes connect, knock my glasses off my face, catch me in the jaw real quick. He had speed and he had power. Yet, he didn't know what day of the week it was. <laughs> he'd, he'd tell me, oh, I'm just, I'm over here in Spanish. He'd say, estoy aquí esperando el tren. You know, so he, I'm here waiting for the train. And I bring that up to say, you know, I, I, I know how this stuff with brains works. So Biden comes out there and he's been a career politician his whole life. He knows how to be a crooked politician. He may not know anything else, but he knows that. So they know they can come to him and say, hey, President Biden, what do we do? Oh, he knows exactly how to undercut people. He knows exactly how to lie directly to the camera and say what has to be done, even if he's losing track of everything around, uh, around him. Now, I'm not saying that to excuse him, and I'm not saying that I don't think that he's evil and nefarious. It's quite the opposite that I'm saying. I'm saying Joe Biden knows very, very well that he is doing bad things because he's in a game where you have to influence the balance of power. It's politics. You strong-arm people. This is how we do it. And he, he's been doing it for half a century. So if anybody knows how to do it, he does. So, yeah, I think he does things nefariously. I think he does things out of muscle memory because he's an old school politician, right? So it comes as no surprise to me that he's now getting criticized by his friends on the left because they, he's embarrassing their brand. They're supposed to be the progressive brand, the brand that says, no, we're doing good things for America, right? If you like your doctor, you can keep him. And he says things like, well, you know, I, I got hairy legs, they're blonde, and the kids, they put their hand in the pool, and they rub them up and down my leg, and I learned about roaches. And he says all these crazy things, and you're like, what? What are you saying, man? So Chuck Todd comes out, and he says, you know what? Whether it's the border, Afghanistan, nuclear deals, COVID, Biden has a big credibility crisis. Let me tell you something. When your colleagues, the fake news media, that's there to make you look good, tell you that you have a credibility problem, that's a big problem. Check this out. So we can talk about the border crisis. We can talk about the period of about one hour on Friday where we learned mm -hmm. that the drone strike that had been touted as an attack and a victory over ISIS actually killed a group of civilians, including seven children. France recalling its ambassadors from uh, from Washington because of that nuclear deal they were cut out of between the United States and the UK and Australia. And also the COVID booster news that all came on Friday. How is the White House managing all this and what do you expect to hear from the president at the UN on Tuesday? Well, look, I think he's got a, a, a pretty big uh, credibility crisis on his hands because all of these problems in some ways showed up after he said 
something basically the exact opposite. Afghanistan withdrawal wasn't going to be messy. This wasn't going to look like Saigon. Uh, the booster shots, he came out and he essentially said that eight months and even indicated maybe we should start it as soon as five months. Now we're not sure if anybody under 65 is going to get a booster shot. Uh, so, you know, he's had and of course, the border has been, you know, whether this is, you could we can talk about the border problems. You could say there's years in the making, but the, the, it's pretty clear we have a bigger problem now than we've had in years. And this is a these policies have turned into becoming a magnet. So he's got a lot of work to do. You dang right. He's got a lot of work to do. Joe Biden is messing this thing up. Right. If you weren't on the radio, we'd say he is messing the bed. Man. Un desastre. He's a disaster, Joe Biden. But this is, I think, part and parcel of his performance. That's why we have this result, which is why I'm looking at this poll here. This is on Breitbart by Wendell Husabo. hope I said that right. Husabo. Only 49% think Joe Biden is mentally stable enough to be president. 49% of registered voters think President Joe Biden has enough mental soundness, quote unquote, to serve as president, according to a Fox News poll that was revealed just yesterday. Respondents were asked, do you think Joe Biden has the mental soundness to serve effectively as president or not? Now, while 49% said yes, 48% said no. When respondents were asked weeks before between September 10th, uh, excuse me, the 7th and the 10th, 49% said yes, and only 45% said no. This is not good, right? Biden's, he's going in the wrong direction. I mean, the poll goes on and on. It's, you know, it's not that super exciting here. But they're all coming out to defend him. Jen back Pasaki, Silent P, of course, she's out there um, sticking out for him. But his friends in the media are not. And... It's interesting because even academia, right? So that's one poll. That's the media. But here's another poll. Harvard poll. Donald Trump more popular than Joe Biden. Wow. So not even academia now is going to put their thumb on the scales to tilt it a little bit. They're saying, no, no, no. Former President Donald Trump is more popular with registered voters than President Joe Biden is, according to a Harvard Caps Harris poll released by The Hill today. 48% of respondents say they have a positive view of Trump compared to the 46 per se. They have a favorable opinion of his uh, successor. So, and I, I could read that a little bit more later, but I just want to jump into this point to, to really set the stage for Biden. Because Biden is making a mess across many categories. So we're going to talk about China, right? We're going to talk about uh, what's going on domestically. We're going to talk about what's happening with Congress. But I want to talk about what's happening right now at the southern border, because literally something like 12,000 illegal migrants crossed illegally into the United States since Thursday night or Thursday afternoon. You've got the mayors down there that are under siege asking things like, where is the vice president who's supposed to be in charge of this? Where is Kamala, who I like to call Que Mala Eres, which in Spanish means how bad she is. Where is Que Mala Eres? Where is Kamala Harris, the vice president? Even Stephanie Rule from MSNBC was just asking today regarding the border crisis. Where is our vice president? She was supposed to be in charge of all of this. Check this out. How about 
a message from our vice president. Where is she? She was supposed to be in charge of all of these migration issues, going to those northern triangle countries. That's obviously not Haiti. That was one of her first international trips with the message. Do not come here illegally. People aren't listening. What is she saying now? Well, we haven't heard a lot from the vice president. Of course, you point out she was focused on those northern triangle countries. A lot of her work was in Guatemala, working with that government. A lot of the diplomacy, which is what the vice president was focused on, was with Mexico. And essentially what we're seeing now is a breakdown of that work with Mexico. Okay, hold on a second. I I think you heard the same clip that I heard. So they said, where is que mala eres? And Jen Pacircle back, Pasaki Silent P, she says... Well, you know, we really haven't heard a lot from her. Excuse me? <laughs> we, we, we've we lost. It's like, where's Waldo? Where is Carmen Sandiego? Where is Kemala Eres? We don't know where the vice president is. We really haven't heard a lot from her. Isn't it your job? Or are you throwing her under the bus because you're sticking up for Joe El Baboso Biden, the president, right? I don't know which one it is. Maybe you guys can help me figure that out. But I think... To me, it sounds like she's not only White House press secretary, but today she is also the White House bus driver and she is throwing Kemalaitis right under the bus and she's running her over. Uh, Actually, it's more like she's smashing her and then she's going over. What is the deal here? Now, it doesn't help. Not at all. Not one bit. That Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, the Secretary of Homeland Security in Del Rio, Texas, um, yesterday, today, he tells a reporter asking if he'd admit that there is a border crisis, which I would say is more like border chaos, saying, I'm going to stop you right there. This is just a challenge. Listen to this. Uh, Mr. Secretary, so you say repeatedly that it's a challenge, but last month you were reported privately saying that what's been happening along the border is you know, I've got to tell, I've got to, I'm going to stop you right there. Let, let me just say very clearly, we are focused on meeting the challenge. We are focused on mission. Oh, focused on a mission. What is your mission? To let everybody in? Listen, he thinks that we may have forgotten what he said a while back. Right. This is the same secretary, uh, Alejandro Mayorkas, that said, listen, we're not telling you not to come to the United States. We're just saying don't come right now. And this was at the time when the pandemic was really like out of control. And it was for like five minutes when he was saying don't come right now. Right. It was it wasn't as forceful as Kemal Eres, the vice president, who when she said she said, I'm telling you, don't come. Right. I should have got that one. That's a, that's a funny audio. But she was more forceful in it and she took heat for it. Mallorca says what he wants to say. He doesn't take heat for anything. But so that's what he said today. Now, he went on today. And I think we have the clip from earlier this year in March when he said, I'm not saying not to come. Just don't come right now. We are not saying don't come. We are saying don't come now because we will be able to deliver um, a safe and orderly process to them uh, as quickly as possible. Oh, safe and orderly. Yeah. Do you really think somebody's saying, I'm just saying, don't come, just don't come right now because we want to make this safe and orderly. Do you think anybody's going to listen to somebody that talks that way? I know I'm not. I'm going to say, okay, excuse me, sir, step aside. I've got some border crossing to do. And that's exactly what they did because he's literally opening the door. He's opening the border and he's doing it at the command of the commander in chief, Joe El Baboso Biden. Now, what did he say today? Now he goes on at length about how 
Haitians are receiving false information that the border is open. Excuse me, sir. Are you not the same guy that said, don't just don't come right now? They heard what you said in March. That's why they're flooding the border today, because you've opened the border. This is a very serious thing. It's a dangerous game they're playing because this is not just people, everybody coming for economic opportunity, which I'm sure many of them are the majority. This is literally Americans that are in our own government that are helping to destroy our economy, our national security, our national sovereignty in many ways. And all he can say is, look, they're, they're getting the wrong information, folks. This has nothing to do with me. This has to do with them. Listen to this. The White House has directed appropriate U.S. agencies to work with the Haitian and other regional governments to provide assistance and support to returnees. The majority of migrants continue to be expelled under CDC's Title 42 authority. Those who cannot be expelled under that authority and do not have a legal basis to remain will be placed in expedited removal proceedings. DHS is conducting regular expulsion and removal flights to Haiti, Mexico, Ecuador, and Northern Triangle countries. We are very concerned that Haitians who are taking this irregular migration path are receiving false information that the border is open or that temporary protected status is available. I want to make sure that it is known that this is not the way to come to the United States. That is false information. Irregular migration poses a serious security risk to the migrants themselves. Trying to enter the United States illegally is not worth the tragedy, the money, or the effort. Okay, so let me get this one straight. So, Secretary Mayorkas, it's not okay if you're Haitian and you come to the border, but it is okay if you're from Guatemala or Honduras or one of the other Central American, uh, as you would say, Latinx countries, right? I think that sounds incredibly racist to me. If I'm making a false assumption, please correct me. If you're out there, Secretary Mayorkas, feel free to give us a call. Anyway, our phone number is 877-381-3811. I'm going to get to your calls next. Don't move a muscle. We're just getting started. I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S on all the social media, and I am sitting in for the great one. Mark Lovin. a crisis at the border. I say it's more like chaos at the border. Uh, welcome back, America. Mark Levin Show. Rich Valdez filling in. Our phone number, 877-381-3811. We're talking immigration, and we're going to talk a few more topics. But right now, I want to jump to your phone calls before the hour is up. Let's go to Vince in Albuquerque, New Mexico. You're on the front lines down there. Uh, Albuquerque's obviously not uh, hella far away from the border. Vince, what's going on? You're on with Rich Valdez. Okay, you got the. Uh, I'm a Vietnam vet. Thank you for your and, service, uh, sir. I got. Oh, my honor. Uh, I got. Uh, we got people coming from Haiti, Afghanistan, and south of the border, and none of them have uh, COVID shots. I'm sure, and uh, they expect us to. Uh, we got 73 percent of my county are vaccinated, and what do I do? What yeah. the heck do I do? 
Yeah, well, obviously, I, I mean, you got to stay safe, Vince. And, you know, this is one of those things where, yeah, we, we have to hold our government officials accountable. And I think we're getting closer to that. You know, now we've got people that are out there. We probably don't have the time right this second to play the audio, but uh, there's some media folks that are holding Jen Pasirko back Pasaki, holding the White House accountable, saying, what's going on? Why does everybody have to have a vaccine? You can't even get a job in many places or keep a job in many places because you don't have a vaccine. Yet all of a sudden, these people that are coming literally by the tens of thousands or at least 10 to 12,000, and it's okay for them. And she says, well, you know, it's, they're not staying long. It's going to be a little vacation. We can't deal with that vacation nonsense, Vince. Uh, w- tell me what the impact is like in your community. All right, Vince. Hey. Well, yeah, well, listen, the, the music means that we've got to run. I appreciate your call. I'm sorry about the time. But uh, I realize that communities down in Brownsville, Uh, Del Rio, these guys are overrun at the border. So don't move a muscle. More on this. Plus, what's going on in China and with COVID? I'm Rich Valdez in for the great one. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. All right, America, welcome back. Hour number two, I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, in for the great one tonight. Uh, wishing all of our Jewish brethren tomorrow a happy Sukkot. I believe I said that right. I grew up in Brooklyn. Lots of Jews in my neighborhood. It was a Jewish neighborhood for the most part. So I remember seeing uh, all of my Jewish neighbors coming out with the, I think this is the holiday where they would carry the gourd and whatnot. So um, felicidades, as we say in Spanish, to everybody out there celebrating. And of course, a big early happy birthday shout out to the great one Mark Levin tomorrow. And Mark will be back this week. Now, our telephone number is 877-381-3811. I talked a little bit about... Abraham Lincoln's Lycine Address in Chicago, Illinois, or in Springfield, Illinois, excuse me, on January 27, 1838. And there's a lot of things that he describes, and he talks about how, you know, we the American people find our account running under the date 19th century, the Christian era. And he goes on, and, and he talks about what a great time it was, but how it changed, and how we've legally inherited what, these, what, what we have in America. And then he asks a, a critical question. He says, at what point then is the approach of danger to be expected? Because he says, you know what? Foreign enemies won't take us out, but it's enemies right here in America. Death by suicide. America dies by destroying itself. That will take us out. And he says, at what point then is the approach of danger to be expected? And Lincoln says, I answer, if it is ever to reach us, it must spring up amongst us. It can't come from abroad. If destruction be our lot, we must ourselves be the author and finisher. As a nation of free men, we must live through all time or die by suicide. And he goes on, I hope I'm not over wary. But if I'm not, then there is even now something of ill omen amongst us. And right now, the ill omen that I feel in my gut Well, it's a lot of things. Obviously, it's the economy. It's Joe Biden. It's Joe Biden and the Democrat Party. To start with, Joe El Baboso Biden. 
But he's not always a baboso, right? Sometimes he's actually, you know, like a un bandido. He's like a bandit. He's getting over on us. He's doing things he shouldn't do. And right now, one of the things that I think is is wreaking havoc on us that we talked about, and I just want to put a pin in it before we move on, is the southern border. And there's a literal crisis at the border. And Jen back Pasaki, you know, she, she doesn't care. She doesn't care about what's happening at the border. She doesn't care that there are uh, migrants illegally crossing into the country that are not even being screened for any type of health disorder, whether they have one or not. They're not being offered any the same the same that you and I are being afforded, right? Like, hey, you're going to lose your job. Hey, there's a mandate. Hey, you can't eat at a restaurant. Hey, this can't happen, right? All sorts of things happening for the law-abiding person, but the person that's breaking the law seems to get away with everything. Sounds like guns, honestly. But that's Jen back Pasaki and her response to why nobody's getting checked at the border. Well, because they're just passing through. Listen to this question about what's going on at the border. Is somebody asking the foreign nationals who are walking into Del Rio, Texas and setting up camps on this side of the border for proof of vaccination or a negative COVID test? Well, first of all, I can re, re, I can readdress for you or re-talk re you through what steps the, we that take. That is the policy for people who fly into the country. So if somebody walks into the country right across the river, does somebody ask them to see their vaccination card? Well, let me explain to you again, Peter, how our process works. As individuals, as individuals come across the border, uh, and uh, they are uh, both assessed for whether they have uh, any symptoms. If they have symptoms, they are the intention is for them to be quarantined. That is our process. They're not intending to stay here for a lengthy period of time. I don't think it's but the same here. thing. The it's not the same thing. These are individuals, as we've noted and as we've been discussed, we are expelling individuals based on Title 42 specifically because of COVID, because we want to prevent a scenario where large numbers of people are gathering, posing a threat to the community and also to the migrants themselves. So those are the policies that we put in place um, in large part because, again, the CDC continues to recommend Title 42 be in place given we're facing a global pandemic. Oh, snap. Oh, well, then I stand corrected, Jen Circleback Pasaki, silent P, of course, because then it's OK. Right. It's all right. Section 42B says, hey, if you're coming into the country illegally and you're promised to only hang out for a little bit, then you don't need the vaccine. So can I just make this announcement to all of America? All of America, I am an illegal immigrant. I am an illegal immigrant and I want all of the rights and privileges thereof. I want my children to go to college for free. I want all the freebies in the world. Right. Imagine if we all did that as American citizens. This is just so bizarre. And this is what Lincoln was talking about when you have a government that's run by these unscrupulous people. And when Peter Ducey, great shout out to him, by the way, he does a terrific job. And I think, you know, if he gets tired of being a journalist, he should run for Congress because I think that we need that type of accountability holding in the White House, in Congress, in Washington overall. He's sharp. He's quick-witted. He, he, it comes very naturally to him to just push back and say, but why are we doing that? But why? But why? And if not, just stay in the media because we need you there too. But he talked about Del Rio, Texas. And what he's talking about is yesterday the mayor of Del Rio, Texas was put on the spot and started to kind of pour his heart out a little bit. You know, the violin started to play about how things are so bad where he is. And then he, you know, kind of tightened it up and said, well, I think the White House should know what's going on because it's important that they know and this is, has to be done in the sake of transparency. And that is the uh, mayor in Del Rio. His name is uh, Bruno Lozano. Listen to this. 
Have you heard from him or his office or vice president's office? Not directly office? from the vice president or uh, president's office, unfortunately. Um, I have been just trying to spread the dire situation here. Um, right now, because of the conversation I had with, with Secretary Mayorkas, I, I now feel that, that his office is fully aware of the situation here happening in real time. And would you want them to visit here? I, I, it's... I know that I was speaking about visiting. I think I think the public needs to know about the transparency, what's happening in the, in the city of Del Rio, Texas, and I just feel that the White House definitely needs to address and address the situation in real time and let the American people know what's happening at their southern border. That, my friends, is a Democrat that's saying, look, don't make me have to say this again to the media in a little bit more nasty fashion, right? You don't want them to use words like crisis, a humanitarian crisis on steroids. You don't want him saying something like that. Because when Democrats say things like that, it gets really bad and the media might turn on you. But Republican Representative Tony Gonzalez in Texas yesterday on CNN, that's exactly what he said. And he said, this is a humanitarian crisis on steroids. Kudos to him for telling the truth. Listen to this. What are the conditions you've seen? It's gut, it's gut wrenching. You know, it's a humanitarian crisis on steroids. You know, over 8,000 migrants under this bridge. It is hot outside. Uh, there, there are only, uh, you know, a handful of porta potties out there. You have children. You have a lot of single uh, males as well. Border Patrol agents are doing everything they possibly can, and they deserve uh, our thanks for that. But this is beyond a breaking point. This is something that needs to be taken seriously now. Time is running out. Everyone is tired. Uh, in South Texas, in Texas in general, we feel abandoned by the administration. Put the politics aside, come together, and let's solve this. So I heard a report earlier. You know, we have the congressman saying that this is beyond the breaking point. We have the Democrat mayor saying, well, you know, I haven't heard directly from Biden or v- Vice President Kemalaeris, but I have heard from Secretary Mayorkas, and he has allayed my fears. Oh, wow. So if you can feel good after a conversation with Mr. I'm not saying don't come, just don't come now then you're on a different level than I am because I, he would not allay any fears that I have. All right, this is uh, Alejandro Mayorkas. I think he's, he's doing a horrific job. We just heard a report a little while ago that says that they may be airlifting some of these thousands of migrants uh, that are crossing illegally into, into Texas that are from Haiti. And there's a specific focus on the ones coming from Haiti for whatever reason, I don't know. And that they may airlift them. So they're going to airlift people back to Haiti because they're overwhelming the system. But they won't do any more airlifting from Afghanistan. And if you're from Central America, no problem. You're good. But if you're Cuban, like Alejandro Mayorkas is, then stay home. Right? Because that's what he said. He said, don't, don't come across the, the, um, the, the ocean. Just stay home. It's too dangerous. Just, it's not dangerous crossing the Rio Grande, of course, where I've seen video of little kids that are, look like they're passing out, whether it's from dehydration or being drugged. And they're like, who are these people? Oh, these aren't my kids. I found them along the way. I brought them along the way. I, I've seen countless videos like this. That's what's going on. So he says that we're beyond the breaking point. And even CNN is chiming in. Right, this is from yesterday. Laura Jarrett, a host on CNN, she says that border officials are at this breaking point right now. And yes, it is a humanitarian crisis on steroids. And when CNN is saying that, man, you know things are bad. Check this out. 
and nearly 10,000 migrants who arrived at the southern U.S. border in Texas in just the last 48 hours. Look at this. They're living under a bridge this morning, and thousands more are expected to arrive in the coming days. One local sheriff worries federal and local authorities are reaching a breaking point, and a congressman from Del Rio, Texas, calls it a humanitarian crisis on steroids. That it is. And I can tell you this crisis isn't brand new. It's one. This is one of those crises that needs to be managed, right? It's a tension. It's one of those things you can't just always fix. Trump fixed it, but it came back because of Biden's incompetence, because of Biden's babosadas, Joe El Baboso Biden messed this up, just like he's messed up everything. He's got like the opposite touch of King Midas. Now we're in really bad shape, getting criticism left and right from all over the place. Even former Obama people are criticizing the Biden administration, saying, look, we have to have control of our borders. I mean, the Obama version of Alejandro Mayorkas, Jay Johnson, he says, look, we, we got to do better. We have to control our borders. Listen to this. They also want us to control our borders. We have to get control of our, our borders. 200,000 a month is a lot of people. DHS just released the numbers for August. It's 200,000. August mm -hmm. is typically a month where it's very low. And those kinds of numbers and the images you just showed your audience uh, saps the ability, it overwhelms the ability of DHS, the Border Patrol, ICE, to cope with uh, the, the incoming. It saps the communities on the border. It saps Catholic charities uh, that are there doing their best to clothe and, clothe and feed the migrants. And so, and, and the recent decision of the U.S. District Court in Washington that DHS and HHS can no longer invoke the public health exception to send people back to Mexico only complicates matters. It definitely complicates matters. Having Biden in the White House complicates matters. Having Jen Psaki continually say things like, hey, where's Kamala Harris, the vice president? Oh, I don't know. We haven't heard from her. But, you know, she's busy trying to address the root cause. So somebody breaks into your car in your driveway or you get mugged in your own neighborhood and you call the cops and you're like, hey, there's crime all over the streets. And the cop says, listen, listen, we're taking care of this. We're trying to address poverty right now. If people aren't broke, they won't rob you. Take it easy. We're trying to address the root cause. Are you kidding Come on. These people are out of their mind. Straight ahead, we're going to get into what's going on. The result of all of the COVID that's coming in, a bunch of governors are saying, listen, 26 governors, as a matter of fact, saying enough is enough. There's a lot going on right now. Don't move a muscle. I am Rich Valdez sitting in for the great one. Mark Levin. Welcome back. Rich Valdez. I am the host of This Is America with Rich Valdez, heard on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you subscribe. Check me out on social media at Rich Valdez with an S. Some of you guys know me as Mr. Call Screener. I will just as a quick caveat, real quick, uh, quick aside. I want to, uh, A, apologize for the national anthem. That is a tradition that is reserved for the great one, Mark Levin. That is a tradition he created, so it's reserved for him. And if you want to blame somebody, you blame the executive producer, Rich Menta. Uh, he's the bad guy here, not me. <laughs> I wanted to put that out there. And I also want to check in with some of the Americans that are calling in from all across the country. we got calls from Michigan, New York City, Pikesville, Maryland, Brooklyn, New York, Springfield, Virginia, and Longhorse, Florida. Let's go to... Um, either Gerson or Herson in Michigan. What's on your mind, brother? What do you want to say? 
Oh, hi there. Hey, what's going on? Well, uh, first of all, thank you very much for taking my call. It's a uh, it's an honor and a privilege. I cannot thank you enough. This is uh, this is definitely put uh, <laughs> a smile on my face and uh, checked an item from my bucket list. <laughs> oh, you're too kind. Um, and so, is it is it Gerson or Herson? Uh, it's it's Gerson. Well, I'm Gerson. Okay, Brazil, we'll meet in the middle. <laughs> so, tell me what's going on yeah. before we run out of time. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, I'd like to uh, report uh, our our feckless governor Gretchen Whitmer, who's literally killing people by not providing. Well, hold on medication. a second. W- what are we saying here? That she's denying COVID treatment, so vis-a-vis holding back treatments is hurting people. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly what she's doing. She 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 went as far as signing a memo preventing doctors and clinics from prescribing uh, the, the medication that has been curing people all over the world. Sure. Uh, uh, medication that was, uh, medication this, that, uh, you know, we have, we've, we've seen that help people all over the world, like... Uh, um, um, well, you know, Herson, uh, let me just jump in real quick, and thank you so much for the call. You know, it's interesting, because I just looked at an article today, it's from last week, but it, it's coming out of Idaho, of all places. Big shout out to all of our listeners in Idaho. And it's not so much about the, the pros or cons of these, these um, the benefits of drugs like ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine, but it's about how ivermectin's disappeared from pharmacies because of there's the demand for it, right? There's such a high demand for it that they just can't keep the shelves stocked in iver, of ivermectin in pharmacies, and this in particular in Idaho, which I thought was interesting because... You know, we used to rely on a free market and we used to to pay attention to the things that worked. And it seems like we're, we're in bizarro land now. We're in a place where what was no longer is. And I, th- I think we can't necessarily turn back the hands of time, but we can, to steal a phrase from Donaldus Magnus El Trompito, the 45th president of these United States, El Presidente, we can say we do need to make America great again. Or make it better, make it you know greater than it was, and I think we can do that collectively. But we can't do that collectively by allowing Democrats to just have free reign in everything, from the government to our schools to our media. So don't move a muscle. Keep it locked right there. Rich Valdez sitting in for the great one. We will be right back. Constitutional lawyer you can see today for free. No appointment necessary. Just call him at 877-381-3811. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S on all the social media. And speaking of social media, the great one, Mark Levin, is on Getter. If you want to follow the great one, Mark Levin, check out Mark Levin's account on Getter, G-E-T-R-R. Uh, excuse me, G-E-T-T-R. I messed that one up. And he's at Mark Levin Show, at Mark Levin Show on Getter. I'm at Rich Valdez on all the social media, so feel free to give us a follow. And the phone number is 877-381-3811. I'm checking in with you guys periodically. Now, we want to talk about this uh, COVID crisis. Some of it is in response or the result of what's happening at the border. And we want to look at the, some of the hypocrisy, right, that's out there because, 
the, you know, at least uh, the Republicans that are out there saying, look, I don't want to wear a mask. Many of them, you know, I don't want to do, you know, so you can't say they're being duplicitous because they've kind of told you up front the truth. But there's a lot of hypocrisy out there, including the Seth Rogen stuff. If you haven't heard it, we're going to get to that in a little bit. The AOC stuff we'll get to a little bit later. But right now I want to go to Joe El Baboso Biden. Right before he left for his um, swinging soiree in Delaware, his little vacation that he's on uh, until tomorrow when he comes to Manhattan. And by the way, Manhattan's already a zoo. Traffic is crazy in the city. Uh, with the U.N. General Assembly, you got all the globalists in town ready for their annual meeting. And Joe El Baboso Biden will be joining them. He had some words for us, some words of wisdom, um, trashing some GOP governors. I want you to listen to this. But we're facing a lot of pushback, especially from some of the Republican governors. The governors of Florida and Texas are doing everything they can to undermine the life-saving requirements that I proposed. And some of the same governors attacking me are in states with the strictest vaccine mandates for children attending school in the entire country. Now, hang on a second before we go on. This is very, very classic Biden. These are the same people attacking me. This is that. That is a hairy legs. The, the problem here is that every time somebody disagrees with what Joe Baboso Biden says, it's somehow an attack on him. This is not an attack on you. This is people saying, look, I do not want you to tell me what I have to forcefully put in my body, number one. I do not want you to tell me that I have to put a mask over my child's face. This is a big deal to a lot of people because for some younger kids up to third grade, they can't see lips moving and mouths moving. They don't learn how to make sounds correctly. And I just learned that recently. Uh, I had no idea that that was a thing, part of the developmental phase of a young uh, student. So I think Joe Biden's mischaracterizing the pushback that he's getting. But let's continue. Children are required to be vaccinated against measles, mumps, rubella, chickenpox, hepatitis B, polio, tetanus, and more. These are state requirements. But in the midst of a pandemic that has already taken over 660,000 lives, I proposed requirement for COVID vaccines, and the governor of that state calls it, quote, a tyrannical type move, a tyrannical type move. This is the worst kind of politics because it's putting the lives of citizens of their states, especially children at risk. And I refuse to give into it. You know, I'm not going to sit here and break out a chart like I'm on the Fox News channel and I'm one of those chart guys. I wish I had one of those at my disposal right now, though. I will say the numbers just don't add up, right? The numbers aren't there. Little kids are not leading the pack in mortality. Everybody knows it. Joe Biden is full of it. So many of these Democrats are full of it. This is the problem. And again, preaching to the choir. I know you guys know this stuff. But every day, this show is a massive show, and it grows. Being the second largest conservative talk radio show in America, The Mark Levin Show, it is no surprise that there's always a new listener. So we have to clarify things and let people know and break things down sentence by sentence sometimes to prove and show and illustrate why everything he's saying is so fake and phony and fraudulent, like Bob Grant used to say. Now... Another duplicitous, dare I say, fraudulent and uh, hypocritical politician is the mayor of San Francisco. Now, San Francisco, obviously, a lot of people coming out of San Francisco are fake, phony frauds. But 
London Breed. That's the name. I know. When I read that, I said, there's somebody named London Breed? That's weird. That sounds almost like London Broil. Hi, I'm London Broil. I'm a steak. Hi, I'm London Breed. I'm a mayor. Anyway, it's okay to not wear my mask because Tony, 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 yep, the musical group was performing. So she said, hey, why not? What the heck? Check this out. And I think it's sad that um, this is even a story. Um, the fact is, um, there was something that was really uh, monumental that occurred. And that is Tony, 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 <laughs> the original members, the brothers, Raphael Sadiq and Dwayne Wiggins, who have not performed in public for, I believe, at least over 20 years. They are just really... Um, some of the most incredible artists in the history of this country and the Bay Area in particular. And the fact that that is getting lost here is very unfortunate. Not to mention the incredible trumpeteer, Maurice Mobetta Brown, who is just phenomenal. These incredible musicians who performed and who really uplifted the spirits of not just myself, but all of the people who were there. Okay, so if you're coming across the uh, the border illegally as, you know, a guest of Joe Biden's in America at his invitation and Secretary Mayorkas, you don't need any COVID vax. You don't need anything because, well, you're not staying long. If you're the mayor of San Francisco, London Breed, well, something monumental was happening. The legendary group Tony, Tony, Tony was performing. Oh, my gosh. Listen, I like Rafael Sadiq. I grew up listening to this stuff, too, and I, I listened to it in New York, not in the Bay Area in particular, she says. But then she goes on to say, and they're incredible trumpeter, Maurice Morebetter, uh, Mobetter Brown. She doesn't even know who these people are. It's like she's reading off a card, like one of Biden's little cards. And this is why she didn't wear her mask, be because there was a musical group that she's a fan of. Now, listen, if I said that, they would say, you know, a conservative talk radio producer, radio host and uh, podcaster Rich Valdez has been caught not wearing a mask, not wearing a mask at the uh, Wu-Tang Clan concert in Staten Island. Of course, they'd come at me and be like, no, 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 no. Up against the wall, bro. Shaking me down. But no, she's saying, look, obviously, this is how that goes. Now, listen, it gets better. She uh, defends her violation of her own mask mandate. Listen to this. And from my perspective, you know, I was there, I was eating and I was drinking and I was sitting with my friends and everyone who came in there was vaccinated. So the fact that we have turned this into a story about being maskless, no, I'm not gonna sip and put my mask on, sip and put my mask on, sip and put my mask on, eat and put my mask on. While I'm eating and I'm drinking, I'm going to keep my mask off. And yes, in the end time, while we're drinking, like everyone else there, we were all having a good time. And again, all vaccinated. So the fact that this is even a story is sad. So the fact that she's even a mayor is sad. That she sits there and talks to reporters that way. And listen, I don't mind that she gives the reporters a hard time. Uh, but her excuse, her rationale... Useless to me. Now, listen, if you say that because you're eating, how many times have we not heard that? Now, I'm not going to pin that on her uh, falsely. I've seen it all over Instagram and Twitter, and sometimes not everything you see is real, but countless videos 
of people that are eating and getting harassed by flight attendants, people that are on a train or whatever, taking a sip of something. People have gotten out of uh, all out of sorts about this time and time again. But when it's convenient for her to say, oh, well, you know, I was eating and drinking. Now, many people are going to say, listen, the entire time I'm at a sporting event, I'm eating and drinking. I'll buy one hot dog after the next, even if it costs me. 600 bucks for the night at many sporting places. That's what they charge, you know, 47.90 for a hot dog and a beer. That They're going to do that all night just to be able to, to benefit um, themselves in doing that. So to me, this is a, it's a nonsensical thing. And she's put herself out there on the record now saying, look, I'm not going to do the mask up, mask down, blah, 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 that people are getting tackled for and videotaped for and ridiculed for. So I think this is clearly a case of Democrat hypocrisy, but we've seen all of that before. And that's how it is. Now, the funny part here is I'm not the only one criticizing her. My least favorite Australian from CNN, Brianna Keeler, she um, she took exception to this and she actually called her to the carpet saying that Mayor London Breed, well, she should know better. Listen to this. To be clear, that is not what's at issue here, whether she sips and puts a mask on, takes a bite and puts a mask back on and so on. The issue is that she was indoors, not eating, not drinking, close to people without a mask on, yes, vaccinated, in this minute-long video. There is no active eating or drinking, and the order is clear about that, even for vaccinated people. Masks on. The mayor is supposed to lead by example, and she knows this because she caught major flack last year when she didn't. The San Francisco Chronicle reported that Breed attended a birthday party at the three-star Michelin restaurant, The French Laundry, with seven others back in November, just days before San Francisco rolled back the reopening of indoor dining. And despite state guidelines that strongly discourage social gatherings, capping them at three households. It is unclear how many households were present at that party dinner, the paper said. Ah, we oui, we oui, French Laundry. Well, that's what it is. So when the Dems call themselves out, I guess we can call that accountability. And, and, you know, kudos. I don't really want to say kudos to Brianna Keeler, but yeah, kudos to Brianna Keeler for for calling out Mayor London Breed for her fake phony fraudness on this stuff, because she's right. It wasn't about that. It wasn't about Tony, Tony, Tony. It wasn't because you were chewing. It was because you weren't wearing a mask because you're a fake, you're a phony, you're a fraud. Anyway, don't move a muscle. We're going to get to your calls. We're going to wrap up this COVID stuff. We're going to move into China. We're going to talk a little bit about some of the duplicity with the the Emmy Awards that happened yesterday, and it's funny, I, I, I woke up, I started looking at the news, and I saw the biggest winners and losers, you know, all that coverage that they do, and I thought, there was an award show last night? <laughs> That's how much of a blip it was. Anyway, uh, we still have a lot to go. Hour three is coming straight ahead, so do not move a muscle. Don't touch that dial. I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, sitting in for the great one. Mark Lovin. Welcome back. Rich Valdez sitting in for the great one. 877-381-3811. Mike in Longhorse, Florida. What's going on, Mike? You're on with Rich Valdez. How are you? Going once. Going twice. Rich? Hey, Mike. What's up, brother? Go for it. Hi. uh, Matter of fact, I'm I'm in Palm Coast. Great. What do you want to say tonight? Palm Coast, Florida. Anyways, my my issue is, um, sir, Rich... um, now, I served a lot of years in the military, and I swore an oath. Thank you, sir. To uh, Congress in, in uh, 
the United States and that. Now, if if I was to disobey those, say, orders or whatever, to uphold the law of the Constitution, I'd be in Leavenworth. I'd get fired from my job, you know, in the military. Mm-hmm. So if these uh, congressional people, they do the same thing as I did, they sign an oath and they swear to it, why are they hurting America and not get, getting getting fired from their position or um, getting, you know, Something happened to them. A, a right. Why is there no accountability? Why does nothing happen when they agree to do something and don't do it? Or they say, hey, we're going to make things better, and they make things incredibly worse. Well, the reality is th- this is politics, and, and it's unfortunate. But, you know, when they wrote the Constitution, they, they put so much value on virtue. And as they put the value on virtue, as we become less virtuous as a society, these are the problems that we run into. We have issues where you have people that say, well, I'm a righteous dude, and I'm running for government office, whichever one, Congress, executive branch, judicial branch, whatever you have. And they end up doing whatever they want to do. They become self-serving and there's a lot of self-dealing and graft and grift and you, you name it and it's going on. And instead of being run by the Constitution, we're run by corruption and cash because, quite frankly, that's really what, what makes this go round for so many people. And when they get a lot of cash, then it's just influence. It's just money. And it's that cronyism that keeps them going. Because that's the currency in in politics. So I think that's part of the issue is our Congress are civilians. They're not held to this standard. While they've taken this oath, they can lie all they want. What's going to happen? They're not even going to get censured in Congress, let alone fired. The only people that are firing people from Congress are we the people when we vote them out. Now, of course, they maybe can get expelled, but how often is that happening? Right. We've seen it time and time again. You've seen a federal judge that was impeached. Right. Representative Hastings. And then he becomes a congressman. So, I mean, again, that was the people's choice. They voted. They spoke and he took his oath. But it it shows you how either a how forgiving society is or b how society doesn't really care all that much for certain things, because maybe we don't have that fundamental understanding of how our government works and how they work for us and us not working for them. So that's that. Now, Mr. Producer, I my blank screen is staring at me. What was the name of the other person? William. All right, William. Let's go to William. <laughs> I don't know where William's calling from because I can't see it. But William, what's going on, man? You're on Hi, with Rich. Rich Valdez. Mark Levin Show. Hi, if you bear with me for, for two comments. Um, the first comment I, I want to mention is about the Del Rio situation. Go for it. It just underscores how racist um, the administration is. Think about it. A couple of weeks ago, it was okay to let all the illegal immigrants that are light brown come across the border. But now you got people that are a little bit more darker, and all of a sudden we're sending them back to Haiti. And, and I want to say, none of these people like swam from Haiti in little rickety rafts, you know, hundreds of miles to get it to Del Rio. These are the same people that were with all the other people in uh, Chile and Ecuador and all these other countries that are having issues, except they're a little bit darker. And so we're telling them, uh, no, thank you. Go back to Haiti. Yeah, well, it certainly begs the question uh, that we should ask, what's this based on? Is Haiti somehow enemy of the state? Uh, Because we're taking people from just about everywhere. We're like, hey, come on in, come on in. So, yeah, I get your point. It makes me think the same thing. What was your second point? The the second point goes back to Miley. So uh, I'm an officer. 
right? And unfortunately, I don't want to say where because, you know, I'm recognizable. But um, loving years ago, I think, 2010, we had the same situation where General McChrystal, one of the most beloved mm-hmm. battlefield commanders, um, his staff made a joke undermining President uh, Obama at the time on Rolling Stones. Yeah. They did an investigation, and they terminated him. You know, now we're talking 11 years forward, and we're not even talking about some guy that made jokes about the president. Like, he literally undermined the president's foreign policy. And it's kind of like, well, we're the one to investigate. Yeah, so listen, what, what I think you're 100% me? right. This is one of those situations where we look at what's going on and we say, wow, General Milley, you, you, you've really messed things up here. And, and it seems like nobody cares. They're like, no, 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 it's okay. Everything's okay. And that's why we're going to get into some General Milley stuff as soon as we get back, because some people are saying he's been overstepping for a really long time. And he's like best friends with China himself. Don't move a muscle. Rich Valdez in for the great one. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. What's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, sitting in for the great one, Mark Levin, tonight. Of course, uh, a very, very happy sukkot uh, to everybody that is celebrating our Jewish brethren, and of course, a early happy birthday shout out to the great one, Mark Levin, uh, which is, I believe, lined up for tomorrow. And Mark will be with us again this week. But our phone number, 877-381-3811. If you're a lib and you want to argue a little bit, if we have time, I got a lot of topics this hour, but if we have time, I will get to you and you. we will cut to the front of the line just to have a civil, knowledgeable discussion on uh, the stuff that we're talking about on the air. 877-381-3811 for you. Now, earlier we talked about Abraham Lincoln and his admonition, his warning to us in the Lycene Address. And I read it at the uh, top of the first hour. I'm not going to get back into that, but it's, a, it's an amazing speech. It's a great document. You should check it out because he gives us this, this warning, this foreshadowing of, of what is to come in America if people are corrupted, those that are in government become corrupted and do what they should not do. And we lose sight of how our forefathers fought for us, how those who came before us did what they did for America. And again, he's talking about the America of 1838. Clearly, so much of that is still ringing true today with, at least in New York, chaos in the streets, at the border, chaos at the border. Afghanistan, you already know about that. I'm not even going to get into that, but I am going to talk about one of those characters, which is General Milley. But I want to start off with some of the kind of cultural stuff that happened this weekend because Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, all out crazy herself, uh, you you remember last week she had all this red carpet drama, and there's a little bit more drama going on with her, and I'm going to touch on it. But another big story that uh, has been the talk of the town today, and I'm, I'm I'm no Larry Kudlow, right, when it comes to financial news, but... The Dow tumbled 900 points as Wall Street's fears turned to China. China. And this is bad. And the reason it's bad is because people are losing their shirts and have the potential to lose their shirts. 
Now, we saw this, this plummet in Wall Street, and it's because of all this speculation over Evergrande, this Chinese, this huge Chinese company that owns tons of real estate and is slowly becoming insolvent. And this is a problem that is not only going to affect China's economy and send a massive blow to their economy, but it's going to send a massive blow to our own economy. And in the midst of all of that, AOC, all out crazy herself, she is, I guess, maybe um, thinking, let me take advantage of every good crisis I can find. And she says, you know what? We're going to extend the pandemic unemployment insurance. And I say, hey, let me get some of that, right? They're giving out free money. Let me get some. But AOC, she's going to introduce a bill to extend pandemic unemployment assistance benefits, which expired in September. Now, she talked about this last week and talked about introducing it and I think put it out there, but she's back. And she's saying this uh, in a virtual town hall, saying, blah, 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 we're going at it, we're doing this thing. Now, I, I think that she may gain some traction with this. I'm not sure. I really don't know. But I do know that if we continue to do this, the result is the same. And what I mean by that is money that's constantly coming in from the government that isn't being earned by the people. And again, unemployment insurance is a different story. But that may be the easiest way to spoon feed socialism. And when you look at an economy like China's, where, you know, China is is a communist country, they have the Communist Party that runs China, but they hide behind this guise or this uh, patina of capitalism. And they do that because they generate millions of dollars, but then they attach themselves as, you know, 51% partner of everybody and take your money, more than half of it. And it just makes me think, this is bad news, bad news for America. And when you have a politician like AOC all out crazy, our least favorite congresswoman from the Bronx and Queens, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, and she shows up at parties saying tax the rich, it, it doesn't help. It doesn't help that she calls herself working class. I guess she was once working class. You know, I was once a barber and I'm still working class. You know, I, I can't be retired, N- not at this point in my life. So the point, I guess, is that AOC's back in the news. She's making all these headlines. And I love to to call her to the carpet as often as I can because she's kind of, uh, what's the word, slippery, if you will. Right? I tried to say hello to her once. And if you've listened to me on this program or my uh, podcast, This is America with Rich Valdez, you may have heard this story. But three years ago, two years ago, 2019, I tried to say hello to her. We both were marching in the Puerto Rican parade in New York City. And uh, she literally just like, ran across Fifth Avenue and like totally dodged me, you know, cut her eyes at me and everything. It was really bizarre because I was being super respectful and it was misconstrued. I wanted to debate policy, but not at the parade. I wanted to invite her on the radio to do that. So I'll do it again today. AOC all out crazy. If you are out there, give us a call. 877-381-3811. We will get you to the front of the line. You'll be the first one up there. 1-877-381-3811. Now, AOC was on Instagram Live reading from the dictionary because she says, this is not ironic. It's not ironic that I came to the rich people's party and talked about taxing the rich. Not ironic at all. Listen to this. You know, I'm hearing some folks, especially the right wing, having this critique about Monday saying, isn't it ironic that she showed up in a tax the rich dress? And I think we need to go back to literary class a little bit. This conversation comes up. Now, the definition of irony is the use of words that mean the opposite 
opposite of what you really think, especially in order to be funny. Um, that's not the opposite of what uh, we need to tax the rich and we need to confront this establishment and this concentration of wealth that likes to consider or market itself as liberal or progressive, but wants to do absolutely wealth inequality and oftentimes lobbies to protect um, laws, including in the Democratic Party, to preserve the establishment of their class interests is this isn't some theoretical or abstract political statement right now we are we are debating the reconciliation and build back better act which includes historic expansions in child care health care climate action isn't that the problem that we're having these historic expansions of the government it's clear to me that either she doesn't know but more likely she doesn't care where that money comes from Because she's making enough of it now as an employee of the government. She's part of the deal. They've cut her in on that piece of the pie. She has a campaign uh, account that's something like 30 million bucks. She's in. And she raises money more than anybody else. So when you look at that, and and it's it's not ironic. I don't think you need a dictionary to talk about the definition of irony. And the irony here is that AOC says she wants to tax the rich and she's for the people, but she's hobnobbing with the rich. Now, again, this was done to death. I don't want to really redo that and like relitigate that on the radio. We know all of that about her. But what's interesting was over the weekend, there was more stories that came out about good old AOC. And I thought it was just funny. This is ironic, right? That the designer that created this tax the rich dress, well, she owes taxes in in the amount of something like 130K. And she's a Canadian, not an American. And this is in the UK Daily Mail. Designer clothing brand that devised AOC's tax the rich Met Gala dress doesn't even pay its own taxes. (laughs) Records show Aurora James's firm failed to pay state and federal taxes totaling 130K. Now, she's 37-year-old Aurora James. She's the owner and uh, designer of this... What's it called? I don't want to say a dressmaker. I'm going to say a fashion label, right? Uh, called the Brother Vellies. And she founded this. And she's got three open tax warrants in New York State for failing to withhold income taxes from employees' paychecks. That's 15 grand. James's firm is also the subject of six federal liens, legal claims against property for failing to pay a tax debt totaling $103,000. And it goes on to say the Canadians also prove she has no problem taking money from taxpayers and her company received... Uh, over $40,000 in pandemic relief, well, that's not such a bad thing. I mean, that was a program that was available to business owners. But you should you should pay your taxes, and we all should. And AOC labeled James a working-class designer. That's where it really gets rich here, because this woman recently bought a $1.6 million home in Hollywood Hills. Now, if you've never been down to Hollywood Hills, I have. And not because I get to hobnob with the rich and famous, but because... In 2014, 2015, I worked with James O'Keefe, who's got a story that's about to drop, by the way. And we we did a story out there. And we were out in Hollywood Hills. And, it, I mean, you're talking about the mega rich. I mean, I've never seen houses like this, not even in the Hamptons. This is big stuff over there. And she calls her a working class designer. So, uh, again, a little trivial, but I think this is an interesting story because, again, it's another juxtaposition of how fake and phony and fraudulent the Democrats are. And she owes all this money. And yada, yada, yada. Now, AOC is talking about all of this stuff about our, our economy and our, our system. And 
she's been very frank with us, at least she hasn't lied. She hates capitalism. She hates the free markets. She likes the idea that government is in control because she's a Marxist. And you guys, if you haven't gotten Mark Levin's book, American Marxism, you got to go out and get a copy. It's now for, for me, I, I read through it when he uh, sent me the paperback version before it came out. And I, I've read it. I reread it. I feel like I keep missing stuff because it really is so chock full of information. But you got to read it. And chapter, I think it's chapter seven, that final chapter. Really, really read that. And if you're not going to read the whole book, start with chapter seven. So this way you know exactly what action you can take. And make sure you get it on Amazon.com or wherever you get your books. But get a copy of Mark Levin's book. Ten weeks now. Is that right, Mr. Producer? Ten weeks? Nine weeks, nine weeks. I'm shooting for 10. I'm, I'm, I'm overstating it because I believe he's going to get it. But nine weeks so far in the number one spot on the New York Times, uh, the leftist rag that it is, the New York Times, <laughs> on their bestseller list. But she is the epitome of an American Marxist. She's idolized climate change and climate everything in the name of Marxism. It's all a ruse. It's all a scam, if you will, to attack the free market, to attack capitalism. And it, we always find it odd, right, or striking when the Hollywood elite, when they kind of come out and, and, you know, they, they say something that's right or true, for example, because we're so used to them always saying things we disagree with. So I found it really odd that Seth Rogen, the comedian who, you know, he got into that controversy with Kim Jong-un back in the day, a couple of years back and Netflix with the movie he made. Uh, he was at the Emmys yesterday as their host, as the MC. And he, he literally complained on camera, and it seemed very sincere, that there's too many of us in this little tiny room that's not really outside. It's like a super enclosed hermetically sealed tent. Listen to this. Anyway, good to be here at the Emmy Awards. Let me start by saying there is way too many of us in this little room. What are we doing? They said this was outdoors. It's not. They lied to us. We're in a hermetically sealed tent right now. I would not have come to this. Why is there a roof? It's more important that we have three chandeliers than that we make sure we don't kill Eugene Levy tonight. That is what has been decided. This is insane. I went from wiping my groceries to having Paul Bettany sneeze in my face. So that's a big week. Anyone's going to sneeze in my face, Paul. I want it to be you. <laughs> well, a little levity from uh, Seth Rogen. I think I do find him funny, you know, half the time. Uh, sometimes he's a little overboard, but he, I think he's a talented actor, a talented comedian, although usually wrong on politics. But even he's calling out his Hollywood lefty friends because this is so uh, emblematic of the hypocrisy that they continually display. This is an ongoing thing for them. And again, preaching to the choir. But something that I think is worthy of being repeated because that's where we are. We have to know their game in order to come at them. We can't just sit there, fold our arms and say, oh, I'm frustrated. What am I going to do? These people are corrupting the minds and children and blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. There are ways that we can fight back, and they're all in American Marxism, so I want you to check that out. And we're going to talk a little bit more about the duplicitous Democrats, but I also want to talk about some duplicity uh, coming from the military, and in particular, General Milley, because China is, is a big foe. We got this whole big economic issue that is going to affect China, which could, in effect, 
really hurt the United States in some ways when their economy implodes. That's going to have some implication on our economy, and we're already seeing what's happening in the stock market. So we're going to get into that stuff with General Milley. I don't want you to leave. We have a bunch of stuff I want to go on to discuss about General Milley. I want to give you the phone number, 877-381-3811. If you served in the military and you actually were under Millie's command, give me a call. I want to hear if he's the same guy, if he's a different guy. I'd love to get your thoughts. And we're going to talk about that. And if we have time, i got one more topic. I'll surprise you with that one. Don't move a muscle. I'm Rich Valdez in for the great one. Welcome back, Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all the social media, and our phone number, 877-381-3811. So I mentioned General Milley because General Milley and Jen Pasirkelback Pasaki and so many in our government, especially the ones that happen to be Democrats, they all seem to embrace Marxism, and they think that the Communist Chinese Party is our friend. They think that the Communist Chinese Party is not a threat, the biggest threat, the biggest global threat that the United States has. No, they think they're just an adversary, just a competitor. So let's get uh, the opinion of the callers. Let's take it to Brooklyn, New York, where I was born and raised. Jimmy from Brooklyn, what's up, my man? You're doing a great show. By the way, you read Lincoln's speech and writings really, really well. Your voice, your intonation's perfect. Thank you, sir. China is a threat. I don't understand conservatives and others who say, what's China's goal? They are communists. Their goal is world communist conquest, and we are the enemy. China got built by us to counter Russia after we built Russia. Could you imagine somebody having brain cancer and the doctor decides to give them lung cancer to counter the brain cancer? Mm. We built the Soviet threat, then we built the red Chinese threat to counter the Soviets. It's absolutely brilliant for them and stupid for us. China's been sending us heroin for 50 years. Then they send us other synthetic drugs, and they send us fentanyl. Now they send us a virus. It's not a coincidence, buddy. All of these things come out of that Wuhan area, the chemical and biological warfare. We built that virus. We helped them. They could put that a technique on a more dangerous virus. Mm-hmm. The idea of making it uh, extremely contagious, that's one part. That. We'll leave it there, Jimmy, because the music means that we got to go. But like always, brilliant analysis. You're a historian when it comes to Chinese communism, communism globally. Don't move a muscle. You can't believe what General Milley had to say. I'm Rich Valdez in for the great one. to Denali, the great one. The great one. And you can call in now, 877-381-3811. All right, America, welcome back. Mark Levin Show, Rich Valdez filling in, a.k.a. Mr. Call Screener. I really am the same Mr. Call Screener that you guys speak with. And uh, forgive me if I'm ever rude or curt or very, very brief. And that's because the show moves very, very quickly. And sometimes I get crazies calling me from all over the place. So, um... I apologize. Anyway, 
Phone number is 877-381-3811. I'm also the host of This Is America with Rich Valdez on iHeartRadio and available on any podcast app. So make sure you take a second to subscribe to that. Give a follow as well at Rich Valdez with an S. And make sure you follow the great one, Mark Levin, on Getter and subscribe to his podcast as well. Now, we were talking about China. And uh, our buddy Jimmy from Brooklyn is always so eloquent with that stuff because this is the Chinese Communist Party. This is how they work, right? We opened up the show talking about Lincoln, how, how we would be destroyed from within. And that's how it is. The Chinese, they make friends. They get friendly people inside. doesn't mean that they're Russian agents or Chinese agents or agents of any foreign government, although they can be. I'm not ruling it out. But I am saying that just being sympathetic is, is a part of their goal because it helps advance their foreign policy agenda. If we don't view them as a threat and we just think that they're just a competitor, well, we're screwing ourselves, right? So when Jen Pasirko back Pasaki, she's at a White House press briefing today and she says, our relationship with China is not one of conflict, but one of competition. It makes you think, I've heard that before, but let's hear her. Check this out. Friendship that he says is, quote, completely dysfunctional. He warned of a potential new Cold War and said the U.S. and China need to be cooperating more on COVID um, and other global challenges. So do you have, how would you respond to the U.N. Secretary General on, on his call for the U.S. and China to be more friendly, I suppose? Well, first I would say the president's view and this administration's view is that our relationship with China is one not of conflict, but of competition. Uh, and so we wouldn't agree with the characterization of the relationship. Oh, simple. We just don't agree. There are buddies, you know, it's, it's a space race. It's not an arms race. It's a space race. We're just, you know, we're all trying to win here. Listen, competition is the free market. China's not the free market. And everybody knows it. That's why their economy is about to take this big hit because of the way they play their games, because of the way they manipulate their currency and hurt their own people in many ways. And now they're hurting our people with their China virus. That's my best Trump. I don't do a great Trump, but, you know, I try. I try to do a good Trump. Anyway, where else have we heard this China's not our enemy, but our competitor? Well, yeah, we've heard it from Joe El Baboso Biden, but we've also heard it from people who've recently kind of handed over the Bagram Air uh, Field, uh, the air base in Afghanistan. And I don't want to jump into Afghanistan, but I do want to say it's so strategically close to China that it does beg the question, why are we doing what we did? And is it to help our friendly competitors? Are we helping them with a win? Or are we helping the United States? I want to roll the tape back to as far back as 2015. We got General Mark Milley in 2015 saying China is not the enemy. Listen to this. China is not an enemy. Uh, And I think that's important for people to clearly understand. Uh, China is a rising power. Uh, China has been a rising power since uh, Deng Xiaoping in 79. And they've been clicking off at 10% growth for almost 30 years. And they dropped down about 7% last year or two. And they'll probably drop again, you know, and come into the range of normalcy and three to five percent growth. But that's still significant economic growth. And there's been a really large historic change from a North Atlantic based global economy to now it's proceeding to be a North Pacific based global economy. So uh, with respect to China, um, what normally happens historically, it's not in all cases, but in most cases, 
where you have economic growth of that magnitude typically follows military power. And that's what we're seeing. We're seeing a, a significant increase in, in uh, Chinese military uh, capabilities over the last uh, 10 to 20 years. Uh, and uh, they are going to develop themselves and are developing themselves uh, into a great power. That is not to say, however, that they are an enemy. So that's 2015. So to his, uh, to give benefit of doubt, I will say we weren't in the same situation with China then as we are now, but they've always had the same end goal, total global domination. That's what they do. But we're going to get to his other comments in 2017 in a moment. I want to read this piece right here. An investigation. The United States has funded over 250 studies for Chinese communist military researchers. And this is in the National Pulse. By the way, that audio that we just uh, listened to was uh, from the Bongino Report. I wanted to give a hat tip to Bongino Report. Now, here's this article by Natalie Winters today. Various National Institute of Health agencies, including Anthony Fauci's National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, have funded over 250 studies authored by researchers at institutions controlled by China's People's Liberation Army. The National Pulse can uh, exclusively reveal, excuse me. Now, you'll remember the People's Liberation Army that's led by General Lee. Who's he? General Milley's buddy, right? We learned that a couple of weeks ago. And apparently there's a, a former Trump official saying, no, no, this is pretty much the, the par for the course. And I'm going to get into that one in a moment. But going back to this, following this unique investigation uh, into the origins of uh, scientific research papers, the whopping level of collaboration with the Chinese military will further concerns in the United States that the political class has surrendered to the Communist Party in China. Wow. Last week, it emerged that the ranking general in the United States Armed Forces agreed to tip off China in advance of a U.S.-led attack. Now, we heard about that. And again, my wow, somewhat incredulous, right? I mean, it wasn't fake. I, I really, I, I find this hard to believe, even though I know it's happening right in front of my face because I'm so disappointed that Americans are rolling over this way for communists. The unearthed studies from the National Institutes of Health online database expand upon the People's Liberation Party, the PLA, to their ties with the Wuhan Institute of Virology. And this was unearthed by the National Pulse. Of 265 studies identified by National Pulse, the Chinese military entity most frequently appearing on studies funded by the NIH is the Beijing-based PLA General Hospital a subsidiary of the Army's Joint Logistics Support Force of the Central Military Commission. And again, this is the Chinese Army. Now, a deleted informational site about the facility notes that it's, quote, the largest comprehensive hospital in the whole Army that is, quote, responsible for the medical and health care tasks of the leaders of the state and the military commission. So China's Communist Party, their government-funded hospital, is literally advanced by studies from the United States funded by Fauci, or at least Fauci's group. Should we not be in shock and awe right here? (laughs) I mean, you suspect these things until they're in your face and they're proven. And it's like, hold on a second, son. This is no bueno. Anyway, we continue. A study called CRAS-deficient T-cells attenuate graft versus host... Well, we don't need the whole exact name, uh, but... This is one of the many that they went through. And it's a pretty long article with lots of citations. I recommend you check it out. I'm not going to give it to you all here. But bottom line, this is a big deal. 
When the government lies about what they're doing with vaccine research, when the government lies about the relationships that they have with foreign entities, or when individuals within the government are kind of just saying, you know what, we're going to uh, just view the bad guys as competitors. We've got a problem, Houston. And this is why I go back now to 2017, General Mark Milley, and let's hear what he had to say there. Check this out. We call that a construct of four plus one, uh, which is Russia, China, Iran, North Korea, and a counterterrorist threat. Again, they're not all equal, and I wouldn't call uh, them all enemies per se. China, for example, uh, I would hesitate to call China an enemy. Some would say adversary, others would say enemy, some would say hostile. I think they are what the slide implies. They're a competitor, uh, and the competition between the United States and China has a military dimension to it. Uh, But that is a far cry, and that's a long leap between that and enemy. I've heard talk and have read many studies and books talking about the inevitability of war between the United States and China. I take exception to that. History is not deterministic. It's not inevitable, and it by no means uh, is uh, predictive. Uh, So you can't take from history and predict the future. Uh, There is a lot of time between now and any time the United States and China would become, quote, unquote, an enemy uh, where armed conflict were to be pursued. Mm-hmm. So, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, you, the great listeners of the program, being the jury, have we made our case that General Milley is soft on China and not tough on anything? I think so, but we're going to take it to you guys. Let's go to Cincinnati, Ohio. Chris in Cincinnati. What's up, man? You're on with Rich Valdez, Mark Levin Show. What's on your mind tonight? Rich, thank you so much for taking my call. Can my you pleasure. hear me okay? Wonderful. Go for it. Great. Um, you know, I, I just wanted to take a little bit of time with your listeners because um, I think this is a lot bigger. There's something a lot bigger behind the scenes that people need to be aware of. And I've studied World War II, I mean, for 25 years. Um, I'm 51 years old now, and World War II fascinated me on how the world, the globe, can allow one person to pretty much dictate uh, what happens throughout his country and other countries, what he wanted to do with Germany. And I think it's happening right now as we speak. And the reason why I say that, there's a gentleman that I think people need to be aware of, and his name is Klaus Schwab. Yeah, what does and he I, have to do with General Milley? What, what Schwab is, he's, he's a part of the World Economic Forum. And when you take a look at what's going on in France, Canada... Yeah, it doesn't sound like Millie in China to me. Well, when you, when you think about it, um, Schwab kind of has, has his generals out now, All there. I hear you doing is repeating this guy's name and giving him a hell of a plug on this program and obfuscating what I asked, which was, what's the connection with Millie in China? So thank you for wasting my time, sir, and that of 20 million Americans, 14 million on terrestrial radio, and probably another 6 million on the podcast tomorrow. Sorry about that, folks. Every now and again, when I'm not Mr. Call Screener, one of these clowns, sneaks through and decides to promote their own agenda and talk about these authors and drop the author's name over and over and over again. And this is what they live for. And my apologies to you, the audience. But I think I did make an effective case drawing the connection with General Milley and saying that, you know what, this guy is soft. He's soft on China. But straight ahead, a real 
lawyer, not me, <laughs> talking on the radio, but the great one, Mark Levin. He was on Jesse Waters' program this Saturday, and he says, enough is enough. John Durham needs to drag Hillary Clinton before a grand jury. You don't want to miss this. Don't move a muscle. I am Rich Valdez. We are not done yet. I'm in for the great Mark Levin. Welcome back. As promised, I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all the social media, the host of This Is America on iHeartRadio, and you can get my podcast wherever you want. That's Rich Valdez with an S, and uh, our phone number is 877-381-3811. We're talking about Mark Levin's analysis. The great one was on with Jesse Waters on the Fox News Channel this weekend, and he says enough is enough. John Durham needs to drag Hillary Clinton before a grand jury. Check this out. All right, Mark, your analysis of the Durham indictment. My analysis of the Durham indictment is that Hillary Clinton is Mr. Big in the middle of all of this. <laughs> and so my question would be for Mr. Durham, have you dragged Hillary Clinton in front of your grand jury yet or not? Mm. Because enough is enough. This Clinton campaign through this law firm was so thoroughly corrupt, using its money to create false evidence against Donald Trump connecting him to Russia. And then she would go out there and talk about how Donald Trump was bought and paid for by Russia. She had Pelosi do it. The Democrats were all tap dancing and pushing the same issue. They're friends in the media. So really, what does this come down to? You, you hammered it well on the FBI. But Hillary Clinton has always been corrupt. She's always been a liar. And she's still corrupt and she's still a liar and she's never been held to account. She needs to be brought in front of the grand jury. That's number one. Number two, the media are corrupt and filled with liars. Virtually everybody today in big media pushed this story. Yep. And yet they continue to have their jobs. They should all be losing their jobs. And finally, this law firm. This law firm is detestable. It not only had Sussman as a partner who's now been scrubbed from their website, <laughs> but has this guy, Mark Elias, who was involved in the dossier and now is involved in a massive dark money network, as Fox has reported, with a bunch of front groups that have raised hundreds of millions of dollars to try to affect the next election the way he and they affected the prior election in 2020. And you know what, Jesse? We're not allowed to talk about it. We're told, no, you're, you're election deniers. We even have people like Chris Christie running around and talking about it. So here we have more than enough evidence to show what Hillary Clinton, the DNC, this law firm, and their favorite lawyer did with hundreds of millions of dollars, lied about Trump, lied about corruption, lied about Russia. For three years, this country was dragged through the toilet. And now we're not allowed to talk about it. And yet there's an enormous evidence. They're up to no good again with these front groups, dark money, meaning no transparent money, billionaires pouring tens yeah. of millions of dollars into the effort in the next election. If we had an honest media, this wouldn't be going on. So they're as corrupt as the FBI and Hillary Clinton, period. Period. The great one summed it up on that thread of the Russiagate thread, of, of the collusion thread. But overall, these actors, these same bad actors have been doing the same thing for years. They used the system to break the system, to destroy the system. This is a Stalinistic tactic. Clinton, 
she she believes in that stuff. She's a student of Saul Alinsky. She loves that stuff. And she's not the only one. There's plenty like her in our government. But again, this isn't specifically about them. What did Lincoln say? At what point then is the approach of danger to be expected? I answer, if it ever reaches, us, it must spring up amongst us. It can't come from abroad. If destruction be our lot, we must ourselves be its author and finisher as a nation of free men. We must live through it all or this nation will die by suicide. Hillary Clinton is trying to suicide America. The Chinese Communist Party is trying to get as many Hillary Clintons as it can get to suicide America. If we stand for nothing, we will fall for anything. And the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good people like you and you and you and everybody listening to do nothing. So it's been my pleasure to be with you guys because it's always an honor. It just truly is. Hasta la próxima. Until the next time, America. My name is Rich Valdez. Valdez with an S. And this is The Mark Levin Show.